Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 84, verses 8 through 12. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. She bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. King Belshazzar made a great festival for a thousand of his lords, and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. Under the influence of the wine... Belshazzar commanded that they bring in the vessels of gold and silver that his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the vessels of gold and silver that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the wall of the royal palace, next to the lampstand. The king was watching watching the hand as it wrote. Then the king's face turned pale, and his thoughts terrified him. His limbs gave gave way, and his knees knocked together. The king cried aloud to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the diviners. And the king said to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever can read this writing and tell me its interpretation shall be clothed in purple, have a chain of gold around his neck, and a rank third in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar became greatly terrified, and his face turned pale, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, when she heard the discussion of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall. The queen said, O king, Live forever. Do not let your thoughts terrify you or your face grow pale. There is a man in your kingdom who is endowed with the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, he was found to have enlightenment, understanding, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and diviners, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-11 through Now as an elder myself and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, 
as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed. I exhort the elders among you to tend to the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Good morning and welcome to the 21st Tuesday after Pentecost. This is Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. Uh, Our readings today, uh, you'll notice we have Psalm 84 again, it's the second day of the week. So we use feminine pronouns for uh, God, followed by Daniel 5, uh, which I'm sure is leading up to some kind of uh, follow-on from Daniel tomorrow. Essentially, um, Belshazzar's Nebuchadnezzar's son um, is drunk at a feast and um, he has his wives, his concubines, his lords and as they're drunk uh, the king sees a human hand appear and start writing on the wall of the palace and he's freaking out as probably anybody would thinking it's a bad trip and um, just like his father, he needs someone to interpret this apparent sign from a god or gods or he, he doesn't know what. Um, and so the queen, who may or may not have been at the feast, um, she comes and says, look, your dad went through this before. Um, you should call in the same person that interpreted his dream. And, um, you know, because it... it uh, this man, Daniel, um, was trusted by your father and showed greater knowledge and wisdom than all of your magicians and enchanters and diviners. And that's all we get before it cuts off, so I'm confident we'll get to see a continuation of the story tomorrow. And then finally, in First Peter 5, um, we have uh, uh, a letter uh, exhorting the, uh, the believers to... Um, be humble and to um, do the um, the necessary things of of being a church. Do it with um, gladness rather than compulsion. Don't lord over those in your charge, but be examples. For when the the chief shepherd, the chief um, person in charge, appears, you'll get this crown of glory that never fades away. 
Um, and several times it mentions humility. Uh, and so today is this, in this reading is a very good opportunity to talk about a soldier saint whose feast day, uh, the day of the death, or the deposit into the earth, um, uh, is today. Um, I'm trying to find the, um, the actual date or the, the year, but I can't find it. I think it was 1968. Um, Clarence Jordan. Uh, you may think it's pronounced Jordan, but in the South, um, J-O-R-D-A-N is pronounced Jordan. If you haven't heard of Clarence Jordan, it's possible you may have heard of Quantania Farms or Quantania Partners down in America's Georgia. And um, a lot of people know about the farm or how Habitat for Humanity was started by a millionaire, uh, Millard uh, Mound or Mount, I can't remember. Um, much like many of the uh, the rich Romans during the second and third century, they started selling their stuff to pursue a different form of life within the church. And Millard um, was a millionaire. They didn't. He and his wife didn't like that lifestyle, so they sold everything and moved to this farm in uh, America's Georgia, where black and white uh, lived alongside one another in violation of Georgia law and in um, uh, testament to the the love and get, um, community that that um, Clarence Jordan, his family, and uh, his followers saw displayed in the the Christian New Testament. Um, and so it was Millard who started uh, what became Habitat for Humanity after he sold all of his possessions and moved to a poor farm in Georgia. Um, Quantania Farms itself is mostly pecan farm. That's how they uh, make, uh, that's how they pay the bills. And Clarence Jordan started it back in, I want to say 1938, right after he got his PhD in the Greek New Testament from uh, a seminary in Louisville. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and uh, so he, he starts this farm, which um, is really controversial. A lot of civil rights leaders at the time in the 40s, 50s, and 60s didn't go to it because um, it was a kind of a hotbed of activity with the KKK kind of acting out against Jordan and the farm. Um, uh, there was an attempt by the governor of Georgia to discredit them and try and tie them to, to the communists. Um, this was also at the, uh, around the time of the McCarthy period. Um, and so Clarence Jordan uh, started this, uh, uh, you know, modern monastic community uh, that sustained itself by farming pecans um, and attracted these really um, charismatic folks um, and people crazy enough to believe that um, white people and black people could live alongside one another as equals um, in harmony and be productive members of society. What a lot of people don't know is that um, Jordan was kind of groomed uh, for political life. And um, he, uh, he um, his undergraduate, I can't remember what he finally majored in, um, but he, he had noticed uh, inequalities as he was a, a child growing up. And then as he entered college, um, his his 
interest and his his passion were ignited um, in part and perhaps largely in part to his um, his being a cadet in the reserve officer training corps uh, at the University of Georgia and um, the the military is many things to many different people um, for example for some uh, such as John Perkins who's this black civil rights leader um, and outspoken advocate for reconciliation who's living now in Mississippi, whose brother was killed while he was in uniform, uh, coming back from World War II, um, uh, who fled Mississippi for California, joined the military, and in the military had his first authentic friendship with a white man, then served in Japan during the height of the Korean War. For some, the military is uh, a, an enlightening and positive experience uh, in terms of race and inequality. For Jordan, however, his very brief time in ROTC seems to have come around the same period in his life when his um, opposition to social inequality was really crystallized. And the extent to which that was crystallized directly as a result of his um, time as a cadet is unknown, at least to me. Um, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, it doesn't appear that he took a scholarship, um, so he wasn't beholden to the military. He didn't have to seek some kind of separation. He just stopped going to his ROTC classes, committed himself to his interest in um, social justice. And uh, once he was done, he went on to a PhD in Greek. And one of the things that he did, um, besides starting Quantum of Farms, was to um, create a paraphrase of uh, the New Testament that uh, changed a lot of the language to be directly relevant to um, Americans of his of his day. So Paul's letter to the Romans becomes Paul's letter to the Christians in Washington, D.C. Um, the letter to the Hebrews uh, was retitled or repurposed as um, a letter from the white um, from white I think it's maybe just white people to um, Negroes was the, the parlance of the day and in some of these letters that he translated into um, you know highly Americanized context um, he used the n-word because that's what um, that's what people that was common to say and it spoke to his audience which was not mostly made up of sympathetic white people for example but um, uh, the poor and the destitute and the disenfranchised in Georgia which was largely black families and black communities um, instead of any mention of the crucifixion he instead um, describes Jesus's lynching uh, in uh, in his translation and so he did this wonderful job of recontextualizing the Gospels and the New Testament so that a, a, a then contemporary reader would identify strongly with what was going on. A lot of other translations, like the, the Common English Bible, um, keeps the historical context. You know, Jesus is in, in Jerusalem and Paul is writing to Rome. He took it a step further and didn't use the 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 civilized, quote-unquote, um, white vernacular, 
but rather the, the Southern Georgian vernacular to include mentions of lynchings and Negroes and the importance of engaging with powers as they really were, whether that was Atlanta or, or Washington, D.C. Um, he made the gospel accessible to a lot of people while also living in a way that radically undermined the assumptions and desires of, of the wider American you know, kind of imagination and, and public um, expectations. And all of this may or may not have had something to do with his time in ROTC, but um, one day in the military makes you a member uh, in my book. Um, and more importantly for today's reading, uh, the, from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, really stood out to me as I was thinking about Jordan and um, you know, his witness and how to connect audiences with the, the power of the power of faith and of the living God, I suppose. Um, and uh, verse 6 reads, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Um, and it, it, uh, it made me think of Jordan because, um, well, a couple of years ago when I was studying in Scotland with Laura, um, we visited this monastery in Belgium uh, that makes the world's most popular beer, or mo- best beer, I don't know if it's popular, called West Vlateren. And the um, West Vlateren is the, the city or the village, and the monastery is St. Sixtus Abbey. Um, and St. Sixtus was the monastery that gave birth to the, the community uh, that produces Chimay beer now. And Sixtus... Um, uh, we were we had the opportunity to visit them when they were um, uh, undertaking mass um, in one afternoon, and t- we were walking to the chapel and we go through this cemetery, this uh, you know, monastic cemetery, where just the brothers are buried, and many of the markers were blank. And I remember having this conversation with with our friends who were traveling with us. You know, why would you have an unmarked grave? And I think for many gospel writers and uh, for the apostles, perhaps, the, the impulse there is to make nothing about you so that everything can be made of God, to reduce yourself so much that you fade away so that God may appear in all God's glory. And uh, it made me think of Jordan as I was you know, re- reviewing uh, what I wrote about him in my second book, For God and Country in That Order. Um, and I didn't know at the time, or I didn't realize and didn't write about the fact that when he died suddenly of a heart attack in 1969, um, he was very well known by that time, locally and nationally, and you could even say internationally. Um, he um, insisted on being buried in a shipping crate, um, and only his immediate family and the poor of the community were allowed to attend. And when they buried him, they buried him in an unmarked grave. Um, so you can go to Quantumia Farms and you may, you'll, his, his grave is unmarked, like those uh, monastic brothers at St. Sixtus Abbey in this ancient monastery in, in Belgium. Um, this subtle act um, that carries so much significance for monastics is still being carried out by God's faithful in, in amazing ways.
the display of humility that it must certainly take uh, to not even allow someone to be known, to, to know where you're buried so that they might not venerate you, um, so that it's all about God and not about um, what part you may have played in advancing God's story, no matter how small, but also no matter how big. Um, and so this this letter, um, the first letter of Peter, and the life of Clarence Jordan, uh, a, a, a brief soldier saint and um, giant of the faith, um, are, are each reminders of the humility and the hardiness that is uh, part and parcel to our life of faith. Prayer of 1 Peter 5, according to the Cut and Patch Gospels of Clarence Jordan. So then, bring yourselves low under the hand of Almighty God, that he may stand you up on your feet at the proper time. Let him in on all your problems, because you mean much to him. Sober up now and get with it. That old roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, is stalking around looking for someone to gobble up. Put steel in your faith and stand up to him, realizing that the brotherhood in your parts of the world is enduring the same kind of persecution. But after you have taken it for a while, the God of all kindness, who through Christ invited you into his marvelous era, will personally make you as good as new. He will make you secure and give you vigor and will undergird you. May he rule the rolling ages. Please, may it be so. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.